morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I'm so grateful to be here this morning. And as I was preparing, um, it's been a hard, hard week for a lot of us in the world and individual lives that are happening. And there's just a heaviness that I've been feeling. And yet, as I woke up this morning, like, I was wanting to get the, like, praise music on where it's, like, super moody. You know what I mean. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I just was, like, just in a mode of joy, just dancing. I felt freedom. And so I love that we sang that song and just declaring that over this time, that we have so much freedom and joy in Christ no matter what's going on around us. Amen? Amen. So how many hikers do we have in the room? How many of you are like, don't you ever ask me to go hiking with you? <laughs> Mom. <laughs> I know where Jan is, raising her hand back there. Tori would if she didn't have a baby in her hand. Charlie's raising her hand for Tori. <laughs> well, I, um, have you ever been out hiking when you ran out of water? Or you just realized, oh no, mayday. <laughs> We are in Phoenix, it is hot, and I am out of water, and I am not even halfway back. I was in, actually in Los Angeles about six years ago, and I was just exploring, I forget the actual reason I was in LA, but I tend to just take trips anyways for no reason, so that's probably what happened, and um, I just had always wanted to, you know you could hike the Hollywood, to the Hollywood sign? I was driving around and I just thought, I want to go there. I feel like all of my horrible hiking stories start with, I want to go there. <laughs> and I ended up just driving around, finding clothes, changing in the car, just deciding I'm going to go hike before I drive back to Phoenix. Mind you, it's 3 p.m. afternoon. I barely have enough water. I'm like, it's okay. Everybody says this is an easy hike. So I go, I drive up, had no idea where I was going, end up parking outside of the observatory that's actually up there, which is not the right place to park. So just... Keep that in mind if you ever decide to go prove me that there's a better way to do this hike. So I just was like, oh no, I can't see the Hollywood sign. So I was like, I'll just hike over this hill and it's gotta be on the other side of this hill. So I'm going and I'm hiking, I'm like, oh, I got this. This is so fun exploring God. I love to explore and take like the path like less traveled. And I end up lost, who saw that coming? I should have, I should have seen that coming. And uh, I end up lost. I end up having to, I, I ran out of my water. My phone was on 3%. I had no food on me. The sun was setting and I'm in there and I can see the Hollywood sign, but I couldn't get to the Hollywood sign. And now I'm in these mountains and you know how, um, okay, man versus wild bear grills one of my favorite shows. Um, and he always said like, go down and try and find a water source. Like <laughs> go find, that's where life is. And so I was like, oh, I see a ravine. I'm just gonna, I literally slid down a mountain like this all the way through a ravine. And these are stories you don't tell your parents until years later. Okay, by the way, it's getting dark. I don't know where I am. Never saw the Hollywood sign. Don't see anyone. Finally find the trail and I'm all alone. And I'm like, Lord, help. Send somebody, please help. I'm out of water. I feel like I'm about to pass out. These two girls come and we just start like, I'm like, um, do you mind if I like join with you because it's getting dark and we're in LA, like help. My phone just died and it had died at that point. And, um, and so I went with them. They were lost too. Nothing like a bunch of lost people trying to find their way. I feel like there's a sermon in there, but that's not the point of this one. So 
And, uh, and so we just start, we find the trail, we just start running back. And um, we start running through this park. A homeless man starts chasing us. That was really exciting. And he's just like, ah! I was like, this is a movie. This is a movie. We're in LA. Like, where's the set? And uh, I, we get there and we finally find these houses, this street of houses. And uh, um, these two, this couple was walking and we're all three just looking raggedy, like horrible. We're like, do you have any water? We saw them just come out of their house. And they're like, no, but we own the restaurant around the street. You could go there and get water and food and charge your phones. And I was like, well, your house is right there, but hey, who am I? I'll take the restaurant. So we went to the restaurant and we sat down and they're like, what do you want for food? What do you want? Like, do you want our charger? Because they had called and said we were coming. And I said, I just need water. Like, just give me water. I don't care if I have anything else. I don't need to call anyone. I don't need food. I just need water. To get that desperate for the thing that keeps us alive. You can go a lot longer without food than you can with water. Most of us know that. And this is where we're going to camp on today as we've been reading in John the story about water. The living water. That may we be desperate enough to keep going back to the living water to give us life and nothing else. Nothing else in our lives. And so we've been going through the book of John together. This last week we read chapters 4 through 6. And if you're just joining, you can also jump in. We're 7 through 9 next week. And everybody who comes up here to speak will be sharing on something in those passages. And so today I would love if you would turn with me to John chapter 4. And we will be going through the longest dialogue between Jesus and another person in Scripture that's recorded. This is the story of the woman at the well. And I think most of us understand the importance of water. Most of us live here in the desert or online. Um, We all know how that operates. Okay, it's been a beautiful monsoon season. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. And it's beautiful and green. And so we're entering into this story, this place that's a desert. And so the way that they formed their cities was to be around the well because that's the source of life. You had to be close to a water source to have life. And so we're entering into this story and Jesus had just left and he's on his way um, to Galilee and this is where we enter in the story. So we're gonna start with verse four if you join me. And I'm reading it in the NLT because our booklets are in NLT as well. And if you haven't got one, you can, got one? If you haven't got one, you can grab one on the way out. Um, So we're going to start in verse 4. He, which is Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. For for, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And we're going to pause right there and we're going to enter back into the story as we move along today. There's three things that I'm going to want to show you. But here in this first instance, when Jesus meets this woman at the well and she makes this big deal about her, the Jews, not talking to the Samaritan women. 
Well, Samaritans in general, because if you remember when we first got there, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the reality is, is that he didn't actually have to go through Samaria. Actually, they tried to avoid Samaria altogether because they hated each other that much. The ethnicity wars was that deep that they were willing to go on a three-day journey (laughs) rather than pass through Samaria and get there quicker. But Jesus says, no, I had to go. He had to go through Samaria. And eventually he came to that village of Sychar to the well of Jacob. Now, a little backtrack, back in 2 Kings, we actually learned that Samaria is the second capital of the northern kingdom. And Israel was split into two kingdoms, and you can read a lot of that back in the Old Testament, but we're not going to dive too much into this today. But what we can say is that in 128 BC, so their temple mount for the Samaritans were on one mountain, and then the temple mount for the Jews were in another mountain, and the Jews came in in 128 BC and destroyed the mountain where the temple was for the Samaritans. And so that was really recent because Jesus came after the turn of the century. And so they went back and got revenge around six to nine AD and tried to destroy the temple in Jerusalem to get back at them. I mean, this was very recent hatred that that just ran so deep that Jews and Samaritans, you have to get that through their head to really understand the depth of this story. They did not associate with each other. And that's why, I don't know if you've heard of the story of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke 10, and it's shocking that there's a Good Samaritan. Like when Jesus was telling this story of a Samaritan who came and helped this Jewish person who has fallen into a ravine, and a Levite walked by and didn't help him, and a priest walked by and didn't help him, but a Samaritan walked by and saw a Jewish person in hurting in a ravine and got him and took him to the hospital, took him to the inn to heal That was shocking when they hear that stuff because Samaritans in their mind were not good. So good Samaritan is actually an oxymoron in their minds. So we enter into this story understanding cultural context because then we can understand the depth and the beauty of who Jesus is. So Jesus said he had to go and on his way he gets tired and he's weary so he sits at the well. And so we also know, so he's tired and he's weary. He asks her for a drink, so he's thirsty. And also the disciples went into town to get them food. So we also know that Jesus is what? Hungry. We often move past these lines because it's just like, oh yeah, Jesus was human. But no, 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 we have to remember, no, Jesus is fully God and fully human. So the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood as it says in the message translation. The word, Jesus, gave up everything to come down to earth, to live the life, to experience the human experience. And John wants us to know that, that the word became flesh. So weary, tired, thirsty, he sees this woman and he asks her for a drink and she's like, why are you asking me for a drink? So imagine this. Jesus is sitting at the well, and and this woman is walking up, and she's all alone at noon. It says noontime because this is very interesting, because usually the women would go get the well, to the well together as a group. It was a social hour, really. They would walk and they would go either in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. So the fact that she was alone and she was there at noontime says something about her immediately. 
She wasn't with her friends. You could assume she was rejected. You could assume that she's been through hardships. And I just imagine her walking up to this well and seeing Jesus sitting there, assuming he's just not gonna talk to her at all because they weren't supposed to talk to you. Any, okay, I just imagine this actually because have anybody, okay, been in a situation where you see somebody and you're walking up that way and you're like, please don't talk to me, please don't talk to me, please don't talk to me. Anybody? Introverts, unite. <laughs> alone at your house, unite, alone, separated. Okay, so <laughs> I realized when I said that, that actually doesn't make sense. Um, so you're walking up and I can just imagine myself as an introvert seeing this man sitting there, assuming she could probably tell he was Jewish and assuming she wasn't, she's like, wow, at least he can't talk to me. That's what I would be thinking. At least he can't talk to me. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want, there's no way that he can talk to me. And then he says, give me a drink. She's like, uh, what? Excuse me? Don't you know that you're Jewish? And that I'm not only a Samaritan, but I'm a woman? So Jewish men were not actually allowed to even speak really to their sisters and daughters in public, sometimes their wives. And then if you were a Jewish rabbi talking to a woman in public, literally the Torah, like the extra, they would teach that it was the equivalent of going to hell. Keep that in mind. So Jesus, knowing all these preconceived notions, still asks a Samaritan woman, give me a drink. They also considered these women to be unclean. So Samaritan women, Jewish women could go be clean and do ritual cleaning, but Samaritan women, they actually believed that they were always consistently unclean. Menstruants, to be specific. So that means everything you touch as an unclean person, if I have this and I am unclean and I hand it to you and you're clean, it automatically makes you unclean because you touched the thing that I had because I'm unclean. So Jesus, knowing all of this, asked her for a drink for her vessel, which he knew would make him then unclean. Jesus, right right out of the get-go with four words, he destroys racial barriers, religious barriers, gender barriers, and sin barrier. Four words, give me a drink. Give me a drink. And she's like, "Uh, excuse me, don't you know the rules around here? That's how I would be feeling. But they're at the well as well. So a little history on the well. Um, multiple times throughout scripture, the well actually signifies places that men meet their women. <laughs> okay, so apparently I need to go to the well. So anyways, um, <laughs> if you don't know, I'm single, but again, don't try to set me up. All right, so Jesus is at the well. Okay, so we have these things. Isaac's representative actually meets Rachel or Rebecca at the well and asks for a drink. Jacob meets Rachel at the well and asks her for a drink, the mother of Joseph. That's the well that they're actually sitting at. Moses meets Zipporah at a well and asks for a drink. See, this is common. So in those days, when they were approached at a well, guess what they thought? 
a lot of times it would be thinking of maybe this person wants to marry me. Okay, so I'm not saying that's what Jesus was saying, but their context, cultural context, you have to understand there's actually depth and meaning to the fact that he is waiting for her in the middle of the day at a well. The modern day dating app. (laughs) She was in shock. Surprised. Why would you ask me for a drink? And in that moment, Jesus says, I see you. See, this whole series is called John, the Jesus I knew. And what our heart and hope is as speakers is to show you and tell you about the Jesus we know. But this is the Jesus she knows. In a moment, the Jesus she knows doesn't care about what race because he's the creator of them. He's like, it doesn't matter that I'm still gonna talk to you. It doesn't matter that you're a woman. I'm still gonna talk to you. It doesn't matter that you're unclean. I'm still going to talk to you. I've been waiting for you in the middle of the day, waiting. I had to come to Samaria for you. I see you. Jesus sees you. No matter what you think physically discounts you right now, Jesus sees you and he says, guess what? We can use that very thing to flip this world upside down for the kingdom. That very thing. Know that you are seen. And then he moves in to this dialogue when he replies in John 4, 10 through 18. We're gonna read this together. Says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. That's how I imagine her talking. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, (laughs) I don't have a husband. The woman replied, and Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't married to the man you are living with now. You certainly speak the truth. And that's when I say, okay, Jesus, <laughs> what? go get your husband. I don't have one. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I've had some of those conversations along the way with Jesus where I'm like trying to tell the truth, but not the whole truth. And, you know, it's still nothing but the truth, but it's just not everything. And we're going to get into why she probably answered this. But I love it because in contrast of what my dad was speaking on last week with Nicodemus, who I like to call Nico. Okay, so when I read scripture, I like nicknames for people because it just is helpful. Um, and so Nico, in chapter three of John, God, or Jesus is talking to him about being born again. The difference between the physical being born and then being born again in the spirit. 
And Jesus sets this up right here. And he said, if you knew the gift of God that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I'd give you this living water. And so he goes right into the spiritual. He's talking about something beyond the physical of what she could have in that moment. But he's like, if you knew the gift God has for you. In Acts 1, 4 through 5, it actually talks about Jesus before he, is, he ascends and then he sends the Holy Spirit. It actually says, you must wait for the gift that God has for you. And what are they waiting for? The Holy Spirit. If you only knew the gift God has for you, you would have asked me and I would give you a wellspring of life. And it actually, another translation says, there will be a well deep within you. A well deep within you. So um, this is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. And I feel like that's okay to say that. But whenever I, um, I have a radio show here in Phoenix and the Lord made a way for that. It was really insane. It's not something that I had even known to ask for, but I didn't know what to call it. I'm like, you know, names are pretty important, right? And um, I went away, went up north and I was reading in John 4 and I just was going back to, I just want people to, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm supposed to help people wake up, wake up. Like, how, how do we have life again? I just look at the church and I'm like, let's go, wake up, let's have life. We have it, we can have it abundantly. Why aren't we just this different vessel? Why don't we look different than the world? And God brought me to this passage of living water and I'm looking at the trees and I just feel like water is the source of life. The church has to get back to that. This water, this living water bubbling up within us to be within the Holy Spirit and in truth as we'll get into in just a moment. And I started Googling. I started Googling random things. So I'm just like source of life. And um, it, can't, it brought me to this webpage that just said, you know, water is the vibrant source of life. And I don't know if you know, but our women's ministry here is called Vibrant Women. Um, and I just was like, I'm not naming it vibrant. I'm not gonna do it. But God used this very passage to say, no, vibrant is alive and active and energetic and zealous for the kingdom. Like that is what the vibrant life looks like. This wellspring of water, this water is the source of life. But are you feeling lifeless? I think some of us go through seasons where we don't really feel much. I just went through one of those. For over a year, not feeling the way that I used to, feeling alive the way that I used to when I'd read scripture, when I'd sing, I just felt kind of like, I'm gonna do it because I know I need to be obedient, but it feels different right now. Why, why? And when I read what Jesus tells her, I get so convicted. Because Jesus replies and he tells her, hey, if you come back to this well, you're gonna be thirsty again. What wells are you going to in your life? And you're trying to find life from them as your water source in the physical. 
But Jesus is saying, no, I'm meaning it in the spiritual, this living water, but you keep going back to that relationship or going back to the news or going back to politics or going back to people pleasing or going back to seeking approval, accolades, success, alcohol, whatever that might be. What are you going to to try and find a source of life in a moment that you have to go right back to when it's gone? I was cut to my core. I know I had to, in that moment, delete Twitter. (laughs) My source of news. I go on these, what I call, God told me the other day, you just went on an information bender, okay? So apparently those are things, I felt convicted by it, so (laughs) in my life they are, where I start, like anybody else just like go on bunny trails and you're just like deep. Am I, I know there's gotta be one person in here. Okay, I knew my brother. I just wasn't gonna call him out. Hey, <laughs> Colton, Josiah. No, uh, Kelly. <laughs> I'm just, who else? Who else do I know? Just kidding. Uh, it's only because they raised their hands, everyone. And I just went and went and I was like, I started to feel sick. And I'm like, why do I feel kind of sick when I was staying here so long? And Jesus, I really felt the Holy Spirit, you're trying to go there to find hope. You're going there to find an answer to all the craziness that's happening. You're going there to kind of look, okay, we've kind of got it in control. Do we have something controlled? And so I go from one news source to the next news source to then I start reading people's comments, which is just horrible, by the way. Just like, I don't know why I get masochistic. I'm not going to say it, so I'm going to move on. (laughs) I'm like, people are horrible to each other. And I was like, I get this anger in me. And all of a sudden I'm mad at everyone. And I'm like, oh, wow, put the phone down. I'm going to that as my source of life over and over. And Jesus is like that. You're not going to find life there. You're not going to find hope there. You're not going to find light there. I am the source of life. Come to me. All you who are wearied and heavy laden and I will give you rest. The source of life. This vibrant life that we've been called to. To wake up, but see, she's still thinking in the physical, and Jesus is like, whoa, it's the spiritual. And do you find it kind of interesting that when she says, finally, she flips it back and she says, give me a drink? So he starts the whole conversation that way, and then she flips it and says, give me a drink. So that I don't ever have to come back here again. And as I've read it before, I start wondering, why did Jesus respond, go get your husband? That like, if you're actually having a normal conversation, that doesn't actually make sense. And I've read it and read it and I never really stopped long enough to realize that what Jesus is actually doing in that moment is pointing out her point of shame. So going back to the well every day was her place of shame. She had to be alone. She was rejected. She was an outcast. She had to go there in the middle of the day and she's like, please give me this water so that I don't have to come back here every day and feel like this. But Jesus says, go get your husband. She's like, what? She's like, I don't have one, sir. You're right, you don't. You've had five and you're living with the one that you're with now. 
And what I think is actually funny and we'll get into is the fact that she goes, oh, sir, you were obviously a prophet. You know, like I love that response. Like obviously you know everything about me. But what Jesus is doing in that moment is pointing out this place of shame in her life and saying, go get your husband. Because the very reason that she was out there alone was because of the fact that she has been married and divorced five times. Or she has been married five times. It doesn't actually say she's been divorced five times. And then it says that she's living with the person she's with now. I feel bad for this woman because I think that in the church she gets a very bad rap because it always says, oh, she's just kind of a floozy. She's like, you know, the sinner and just like all these marriages. But the reality is, is that men had the upper hand when it came to divorce in that day. If you read back in Deuteronomy, it actually says that they just have to write a paper if they're displeased with their wife and they are divorced. So there were two different camps of who, how do you do this? There are other rabbis who said, no, it's way harder than that. But actually there were people who believed that you could divorce your wife if she burnt the bread. And we learned this in Jesus and Women, the women's ministry, we went through this. Um, there's a Jesus and Women's study and it was powerful, phenomenal. If you haven't done it, there's extras. I'll give it to you. It's so good. Um, But it was really funny because we learned that week that Jesus, or by women, could get divorced by only burning the bread. And I don't know if my mom remembers this, but it was that same week, and it was after church that Sunday, and we go in, and my mom makes a spread on Sundays. Hallelujah for Southern mothers. Although I don't know how to cook because she's such a good cook. You know what I mean? Like, let people stay in their lane. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is why I'm not married. Okay, so I, so anyways, focus. So I walk in the house and my mom has this moment often because she's like, okay, I'm gonna keep the timer in my head. And all of a sudden she's like, ah, burn him, ah. Like anybody else like that when you're cooking or your parent was or something where you freak out because it's burning and you didn't set the timer because you told yourself you were gonna remember this time. So she pulls out the biscuits and they're burnt. Like, not horribly, but like burnt enough. And I was like, whoa. You could have gotten divorced for that, mom. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Because they, they literally could get divorced over something like that. They could get divorced over um, an abnormality that they didn't know about before they got married. They could get divorced if they couldn't have children. For any reason, they could also just stand out in the, in the crowd and make sure there's witnesses and just say, Three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, done. Humiliating. So we don't know why she's had five husbands. She could have been divorced. She could have been widowed and then went to the next brother as the customs would go. And now she's there. And actually they say in some laws, you couldn't get married more than five times. So maybe that's why she's living with the man that she's with now. We don't know, so we shouldn't put labels on her we don't know about. But what we do know is that she had deep shame about it. And Jesus, beautiful Jesus, doesn't let her run away from that. He says, let me meet you there in the shame, in the pain. I know your heart. I know what you're carrying. I know the pain that you're going through and your past. Yet I've still offered you living water. See, Jesus offered it to her before he ever told her he knew everything about her. That's what Jesus does for you. He's offering you something way more and he knows everything about you. And sometimes you're like, oh, hi, Jesus. Well, I did that yesterday, but you don't want to go into all of it. 
Jesus already knows he's meeting her in her place of shame. He says, one, I see you. And then he says, two, I love you. I see it all and I'm right here. Every other man has left you. Every other man has despised you. You are ashamed and you are broken, but I'm standing here as a man saying, give me a drink. I wanna have relationship. I wanna have communion with you. Jesus did this for me. There was a time when I was in my young 20s. I say young now because I'm now in my young 30s, but I like to add young at the beginning of it. Um, And so I was at my young 20s and I was a disaster. I had semi-stepped out of the church and was there on Sundays living the ways of the world throughout the week. Saturday night especially, still showing up at church, sometimes hungover, didn't want to go but wanted to honor my parents because they were in leadership there and I just wanted to show up, be like, I made it, okay? I made it, I'm here, but I'd come in 20 minutes late, sit on the side, three rows back, side chair, and then I'd leave as soon as the last part was over, always skip worship. I always say this because why? Worship makes you convicted, okay? (laughs) Worship makes me cry. And so I'm like, we don't want to cry because then we might have to confess. And if I confess, I might have to repent. And if I repent, I might have to actually change the way that I'm living. And I don't want to do that, so I'm going to show up after worship. And I did this for two years, and I was going to the things. I was going to alcohol. I was going to partying. I was going out with guys. I was trying to, I was working out all the time. My diet was so strict. I was leaning into everything else to try and give me life because there was a hole deep inside of me. And, and I'm had grown up hearing about it, but I had felt this deep pit. And I I was so ashamed to be around certain people, but I knew that I could go live this way and I could just, okay, if I just go out again, we're gonna have fun for a little bit, but that doesn't last. So I had to go the next week and the next week and the next week and the next week or sometimes the next day to fill this void and this pain. And I was so broken to the point where I did not even wanna live anymore because I knew that to the depths of who I was, there was more to life than this. I felt dead inside, dead. I had a lot of things, I had good things. I had accolades, I had friends, all of these things, but I was dead inside. And I'm like, I can't live like this anymore, so I was gonna take my life. Multiple times I had had thought it, but this time I was actually going to do it. And I was sitting there on my closet floor at the condo that I shared with my sister. And I had a a walk-in closet and I was on the floor and I was crying out. And I'm like, God, I mean, letters were written. This is how close I was because I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I'm yelling to God, take my life because it's lifeless. Take my life, take it from me. I don't want to do it because I'll burden my parents. Why don't you just take me? I always like to bargain with God like that. <laughs> How about you just do it? So I started counting down from 10. 10, 9, 8. Like, like putting God on a time clock. Like by one, you better take me to heaven, okay? Because it would be way easier if you just end it. And I get down, I remember getting to four. And I am crying and wailing And I get to four and all of a sudden I can kind of like breathe. Started to calm down and I'm like three, two. (laughs) 
one and a half. <laughs> but oddly in that moment when I had calmed down, I actually didn't want him to take me. I didn't realize it in that moment when I think back to that moment, I realized that I had been in the presence of Jesus. Peace had entered the room. All of a sudden I had hope again. And he's like, Allie, I really felt the Holy Spirit impress on me saying, Allie, you know I love you, but it is time to make a choice. You either follow after me wholeheartedly or go the ways of this world, just leave my name out of it. The lukewarm is really hard to live in. It weighs you down. That's why it says in scripture, it would be be better for you to be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Who likes lukewarm coffee? Not I. (laughs) You're like, ugh, either put it in the microwave or get a new cup. Like we don't, or put ice in it, okay? But we don't drink it lukewarm. That's what God's saying in his word. It's better for you to be hot or cold. And I was like, well, I'm not going that way because I know that you're real. And when I finally said okay to Jesus, fully, wholeheartedly, who met me in my shame, who knew everything that I had done, all of the sins that I had committed, all of the brokenness that I was living in, he saw me there, yet he showed up. And in fact, I think he was waiting for me. Just as much as he was waiting for her at the well, and Jesus is waiting for you. He sees it all, and he says, I have living water for you. I love you. I love you, I see you, I love you. And as we close, we move into the end of this dialogue and verse 19. And she says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount, oops, Yep, speaking in tongues, okay. Gares <laughs> him. Um, where our sisters, ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The first one that he reveals himself to as the Messiah is a Samaritan woman. A broken woman who he was not supposed to talk to. He was not supposed to be there. And Jesus reveals himself to her. I am the Messiah. And as Samaritans, they were holding on for Moses. When she says you're a prophet, they were saying that Messiah would be like Moses, a prophet. And so all of a sudden he says, I am? What is she thinking about? In Exodus 3.14, Moses is at the burning bush and God shows up. And he's like, who am I supposed to tell sent me to the Israelites to free them and deliver them from slavery? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you're supposed to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. That's Moses and God. And now Jesus is next to this Samaritan woman and says, I am. He is God and he is human. And he's offering her eternal life. Spirit and truth. And you would think this is a weird way for her to respond. Like, hey, you just, call, you just read my mail. Uh, how about this mountain over here? You know, like that's what I would do. I'd be like, deflect. <laughs> and what is beautiful is that in the Old Testament, when you read it, a lot of times they're walking around. When Jesus sees like a fig tree, he's like, oh, let me tell you about the figs in season. You know, they're using these, um, I'm sure there's a word for it. But when they're walking around and she looks up and you can actually see Mount Gerizim from that well. And so she's wondering in her mind, okay, you're a prophet. You know all these things. You're talking to me. But what about where I worship? You should know that if you're really the prophet. To worship in spirit and truth. And Jesus says, you know what? There's a time coming where it doesn't even matter your location where you worship. It matters about the heart. To worship in both spirit and in truth. And this is something that I would love to go into, but what I really want you to know is that we worship with both our mind and our heart, spirit and in truth, fully, both. I was singing my guts out in the uh, office earlier, and uh, Dr. Dan so graciously told me, he's like, all you know, and I have my headphones in, so when I'm prepping, my headphones are in, so I'm belting it, but you can't hear the music. That's always awkward for everyone involved, unless you're just like, I don't even care. It's awkward for everyone listening, honestly, especially when you can't sing. And so he's like, so I finally, I was just in there just like jamming, like working on my message, finishing it up. And he's just like, I took it out when he walked by and he goes, all that matters is that you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I was like, like, amen. Like literally that's right before service. And I'm like, wow, it's so true. Because when we come here to this place of worship, when we sing, it's both spirit and truth. It's both the emotion. It's both the mind and the emotion. It's the words in the song. If you've been in the word, it'll change your heart posture because you know what you're singing is actually truth. Spirit and truth. When you're, someone's preaching and you're listening, you ask the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and to receive and to participate while they're speaking truth. Spirit and truth. Whether you're praying, spirit and truth. You're reading the Bible. Spirit, teach me how to read. Convict my heart. Spirit and truth. And I used to tell people, you know, some people are like, I'm very analytical, so I don't get as emotional as you, Allie. And I was like, I'm analytical too. You know, I get kind of sassy about it. But... I used to tell them, well, go listen to worship music more or go read the Psalms. That'll open up your emotion gates. That's not wise advice. I've learned some, like, it's not not wise. It's just not exactly gonna cure what you're looking for. And so I used to tell people, if you're more analytical, try and do things that are more emotional. And if you're too emotional, like try to be in the things that are like a little bit more analytical. True. However, when I was doing this, we did a study on this. I wrote it on a vibrant women's study four years ago. God showed me this vision. And I was praying because I'm like, God, I feel like I'm missing something when I'm telling people about this balancing out spirit and truth, spirit and truth. And he's like, it's not a balance. And in that, I saw 
Take this for what it is. I saw this soundboard. And at the bottom of it, if you know what soundboards look like, um, it kind of tells you which things are which, and it said spirit and truth. And I just saw two hands push it all the way up to max. And he goes, it is fully both. Spirit and truth. The way that I think might not be as great as the way that you think. That my mind activated might not look like your mind activated. I'm very emotional. You might not be. But what we are called to do is to worship fully in the way that we're made in both spirit and in truth. And that's when we experience this living water. So she saw something different about his demeanor. And what I would love for us to take a minute and we're going to watch a video from the TV series called Chosen, The Chosen. So I um, actually have never seen all of it, but I did see this clip on the Samaritan woman um, because she is one of my faves. And I just wanted to share the end of the story in such a way that depicts it so you can really get your mind of what it actually looks like in that setting. I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. <laughs> you picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> <laughs> What is? You forgot your um. Amen. She ran, she left her well, she left the reason she went there because she found the living water, the wellspring of life. This woman, the first evangelist to the Gentiles, a woman, a Samaritan woman, an unclean, divorced Samaritan woman, probably widowed. This is who Jesus chose to take his news. And she went out into her town and she didn't care anymore about her labels. She didn't care what people thought of her because she just met the man who told her everything she ever knew, but she, she felt seen, she knew she was loved. And then he met there and he's like, guess what, there's more. I have more for you. And she went and told her whole town and because of her testimony, she brought everyone out to see Jesus. Jesus stayed there two days and many, many knew and met Jesus and became followers of the one. 
Jesus I knew, the Jesus she knew, barrier breaker, unifier. Jesus is an identity giver. He cleanses sins. He lifts people up out of their shame. And then he gives you purpose. That's the Jesus that she knew. And that's the Jesus that I have known. A Jesus that's full of love, even when I didn't feel like I deserved it. And maybe I really didn't. But Jesus still met me in that place. Jesus can use anyone if we are willing and open to worship him in both spirit and in truth. And I have a couple challenges for us today as we end. One is, is there any discrimination that you have towards anyone who God might be using? The church is very divided right now and it breaks my heart. And what I see here is a Jesus who unifies, a Jesus who goes past barriers and chooses a woman, a Samaritan woman to go preach and tell tell people, I am the Messiah. That's what she went and told people. That's huge news that he's the Messiah, that he has come in the fullness of time. Is it politics that you're discriminating on who God can use? Theology, the ways people worship, the gender, the race, mass, not mass, vaccine, unvaxxed, whatever it is, God can use anyone. Who are we, church? Who are we to decide who God can and cannot use? See, Jesus will meet anyone, anywhere. He can meet the Taliban tonight in a dream and decide that they can just bring revival to the nations. Let's put off our discrimination, church, not only to everyone else, but to ourselves. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've came from, no matter what it is in this moment, guess what? Jesus can use you. I never thought I'd be preaching. You know, what's wonderful is that people who meet me today, when I tell them about who I was, they would have never guessed. Hallelujah. Testimony to who Jesus is when we come to the well of living water. So that's one thing. What are, you, what are maybe in your mind this week that you pop up and you see something and kind of like, you kind of react? Maybe pray for them. We don't have to agree on everything, but what we need to agree on is that Jesus can come to anyone at any time and in fact is waiting on them to receive the living water that he has. And the next thing I wanna ask, what well are you going to, to find life? Whether it is the news, whether it's volunteering all the time to feel needed, you can please volunteer. (laughs) Relationships. Maybe when you just think of something, uh, a success or business, or um, you go to pick up, just whether it could be food that people go to, the next time you go to that this week, just this week, just put it on this this week, just say, okay, I'm just gonna say no to this right now. I'm gonna put my phone down right now, just for this week. 
I'm not gonna keep going there. Maybe you need to eat, so eat, but don't go overboard, okay? And ask yourself, what am I trying to fill in this moment? What life am I trying to fill through this avenue, whatever it might be? And turn to Jesus, turn to the word, turn on worship music, call somebody, pray, be in silence. And go to the well. The well sitting on the well. (laughs) Imagine that, Jesus the well sitting at the well. What a beautiful picture. He has living water for you and for everyone around you. And this is the good news that she had to run and tell. Amen. Your testimony matters. You can be used wherever you are, no matter what, where you work, no matter who you come in contact with. He can use you if you're willing. But I'm telling you, it is when you have that wellspring of life within you that you want to go tell. So let's lean into him and ask him to point out the things that we're going to in place of him so that we can be overflowing from the well that won't run dry. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand together. I'm gonna pray over us and then we're gonna sing. And what is beautiful about the song, The Well, that we're gonna sing together and celebrate as we leave today is it's now you can understand the truth behind the music, the well that won't run dry. And so there is freedom in this place. There is joy to be had. And I am grateful that I am part of this family and body of believers. So Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask that you will point out those things in our lives that we're going to life for. Lord God, I pray that we surrender it to you as you showed me very vividly the things that I've got to get out of my way to spend more time and and to be more on fire for you, Lord God. I pray that you will show all of us the things that we are putting on other people to think that maybe maybe you can't use them because of dot, 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 or we don't agree, Lord. Help us push past our differences and pray, Lord God, and to be unified and to believe that you can use anyone no matter the circumstances. Lord God, I pray that you will just point out the things in our lives that you want us to just rejoice about, Lord God. We just thank you. We thank you for church. We thank you for being able to be in this building as we're thinking of the people in Afghanistan, Lord God, who are just in so much pain and the Christians over there who are standing strong, I pray for strength to well up in them as that wellspring of life, Lord God, as it's one of the fastest growing churches in the world, Lord Jesus. So I thank you for your spirit, that wellspring of life to just pour out on them, a covering over them. And may we, the whole church, stand unified, no matter our racial differences, no matter our gender differences, no matter uh, whose sin is what, Lord God, that we can come together and pray for one another and be the church the hope of the world because of who you are and who you are in us. So Lord, raise us up and let us lean into you this week, the well that won't run dry. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray, amen. Amen.